Good afternoon and welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll get a cattle market update from Ann Wasco with Gateway Livestock. And up first in today's country comment, I'll chat with David Weens, Chair of Dairy Farmers of Manitoba. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Dairy farmers of Manitoba held a spring meeting in Winkler yesterday. I caught up with Chair David Weens. You know, since COVID uh, began, there's it's, it's been fairly volatile where where consumption really went from uh, you know from uh, restaurant or restaurants, uh, food service industry, hotels, and that sort of thing, uh, more to in-home consumption, and that did change. Uh, you know, some of the the, the demands uh, in the dairy products certainly. Uh, uh, this has been very good for uh, you know over the over the past years for uh, cheese consumption continues to be uh, uh, fairly strong and then uh, what we saw was uh, uh, just in terms of you know uh, we, when we look at at restaurants I mean you can take Tim Hortons for example you know the, the amount of uh, cream that that is consumed on the food service side you know uh, that demand of course throughout the pandemic hasn't uh, hasn't been as strong because a lot of restaurants were actually closed, even even though you know, I mean, obviously the drive-throughs were able to uh, maintain that. But uh, but we did we, we did see some uh, you know a bit of leveling off on on the the, the cream side. Uh, what we saw earlier in the pandemic was on on uh, the, the 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 fluid milk consumption, the table milk. Actually, uh, once that transitioned more into into the home, uh, we actually saw a bump in that uh, in that consumption. Uh, which you know we're now uh, kind of seeing that uh, uh, returning to uh, kind of the former trend, which is a slight decline in in milk consumption. So, you know what what they say is uh, really what's happening is that uh, more and more Canadians are are eating their dairy rather than drinking their dairy products. So that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now. Give us an update on on trade. What's been happening with uh, Canada, UK, and and CPTPP? Yeah, there's been, uh, you know, the, well, first of all, I, I should probably begin by saying that, you know, uh, we've had a lot of concerns with some of the, the free trade agreements that have been negotiated and, and, and signed and ratified. And and so uh, the past number of agreements have given up uh, some, uh, you know, dairy market. And, and so has it actually increased dairy market uh, uh, access to, to imports. And so that's raised a lot of concerns for us. Uh, but now, uh, you know, the government has has uh, uh, very much committed to not opening up the, the markets any further. So we have, uh, you know, there are some uh, discussions going on with uh, Canada and and the UK in terms of a comprehensive uh, trade agreement between the two of them. Uh, but at the same time, uh, the UK has also uh, begun uh, negotiations to, uh, you know, uh, for accession to the uh, the, the CPTPP. So. Um, and, and of course, that's a little more uh, complicated there. I mean, first of all, uh, the CPTPP countries have to be prepared to uh, to accept a new partner to the trade deal. And and so to this point, uh, they have all agreed that the UK could begin negotiations. So that's what's happening now. And then we'll see how long it takes. I mean, it's it's uh, it's you know, uh, there's no set timeline. Uh, all depending on how quickly they can come to this agreement. But certainly. Uh, 
for uh, for the UK to be uh, uh, accepted into the CPTPP, it would need a consensus on the part of uh, of the existing uh, partners in that trade deal. So that's that's what is uh, is happening uh, there. That's one of the 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 I guess the more important I guess you could say trade agreements to Canada. I mean we're also. Uh, you know, we, like the Canadian government is is also uh, negotiating with a number of Asian countries. Uh, uh, you know, India uh, for one, um, and and uh, just you know they're not. Uh, uh, those are not those are not uh, trade agreements that we're we're uh, we we don't consider carry a lot of risk in terms of of exposure of our our dairy markets. But we do have the the Mercosur, uh, uh, you know, South America. Uh, Canada, South America uh, trade agreement, or certain South American countries, uh, but including uh, you know uh, countries like uh, um, Argentina and Uruguay, who are uh, fairly uh, major dairy exporters. So obviously there there is some concerns there. But again, you know coming back to uh, to the government's uh, uh, commitment that they've made to the industry, we would uh, certainly uh, you know uh, want them to. Uh, uh, you know, to to fulfill their commitment to our industry to not include uh, the Canadian dairy industry in terms of, of market access in, those, in, in any of those agreements. That was David Weens, Chair of Dairy Farmers of Manitoba. We chatted yesterday in Winkler during the group's spring meeting. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association says some producers in Manitoba have reported very concerning losses over the winter. Ian Stepler says last year's drought played a factor in setting the bees off cycle, adding mites were an issue. He talked about the impact on the honey supply. Manitoba supplies roughly 20 million pounds of honey, and if we see a substantial loss with our honeybees, we won't be able to achieve that objective uh, the unfortunate situation right now is two things. Uh, producers that are seeing heavy losses are telling me that they're standing in line for replacement stock. There just doesn't seem to be enough replacement stock to be able to satisfy some of the demand currently out there right now. And one of the reasons for that is because Manitoba's not experiencing losses. It seems to be a Canada-wide situation. And this week is National Soil Conservation Week. Jim Tokarchuk is Executive Director of the Soil Conservation Council of Canada. This year, we have uh, the good fortune of being in, in the completion stage of a major project we've been working on for a couple of years. It's really about a study on ways of putting more carbon into soil and, and keeping it there. And that's important because carbon is, uh, is a really important thing in soils. It helps to make soils healthy. It makes them productive. But it also has an impact on climate change. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Wednesday, April 20th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll get a cattle market update from Ann Wasco with Gateway Livestock. Today, we get an update on the cattle markets. Glenda Leal and Wasser talked with Ann Wasco, a market analyst with Gateway Livestock. Let's start by talking about the markets and just take us through what we've been seeing happening so far. Well, as far as the cattle markets, let's start with the fat cattle. It's been a very flat, stagnant first quarter of 2022 uh, in Western Canada. Fed cattle have averaged just over 160, um, 100 live. Uh, that That is $10 better than the first quarter of 2021, but it's a long ways from, from break-even. So finished cattle 
have basically been in a in a negative position all through the first uh, quarter of this year. And of course, that has to do with the the cost of feed, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, feeder cattle prices uh, that eight to nine weight category averaging in the upper 180s for this first quarter. That's also about a dime better than a year ago. But again, you know, well off the mark of what some of the earlier expectations were. Uh, lighter grass type cattle have been pretty solid, trading very similar to where they would have been a year ago. You know, up averaging in that that 230 plus area on those five to six weights. And I think the best news so far in the first quarter of 2022 has been a strong recovery to the slaughter cow price. Uh, first quarter average was in the mid 80s. Um, but here at the end of the first quarter, and as we start April, we've got um, D2 cows, good cows, trading uh, up in the high 90s and up over a dollar as well. So those th- that's been a big move since the start of the year where they were 75 cents um, in early January. So a big move on, on slaughter cow prices. What seems to be influencing the prices? Well, on the cow uh, market specifically, that's certainly been a demand for what we call lean trimmings. Um, or as some people refer to, hamburger beef. So the demand, um, not just here in Canada, but in the U.S. and globally, continues to be very strong for lean trimmings. And uh, again, that's uh, we see uh, food service, you know, coming back on stream after being uh, closed, especially not just here in, in Western Canada, but all around the world. You see most countries other than China and Hong Kong kind of reopening and reestablishing business again. So the demand for um, products, beef included and ground beef included as well, continues to be very strong. It it really is very strong. And uh, when consumers go to the grocery store and they see that price, I think it's important to remind them that the price they're paying, there's a lot of middlemen in, in there taking their cut before the producer gets paid. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've heard the story um, over the years of, you know, talking about a a loaf of bread, for example, and, you know, how that that money is divvied up from consumer right back to to farmer. And the same story holds true for for those of us that produce um, beef, or you could say the same thing if you were a pork producer. So there's a lot of um, pieces to the supply chain um, that we've talked a lot about over the last couple of years, but, but certainly... Um, there's, it's a, it's a long ways, especially from a time perspective, uh, from the time that calf lands on the ground as a newborn this spring till it shows up as at beef, which could be, you know, a year and a half plus away from now, um, at, at the consumer level, uh, whether it's in a restaurant or in, in a burger or in the retail store. A key factor that producers have been dealing with and, and still are dealing with, of course, is, is feed. Uh, a lot of producers really scrambling, trying to get feed for animals because of the dry conditions and the drought that we experience. Talk to us a little bit about what we see happening with feed and and feed costs today. Well, again, you've kind of uh, hit the nail on the head in terms of what the probably the biggest um, concern and challenge uh, for producers has been and continues to be as we come into 2022, and it is the uh, the availability and the cost of feed. And so, you know, we're still dealing with uh, drought conditions in a lot of uh, southern, uh, especially southwest Saskatchewan, southern Alberta, a big chunk of the U.S., so over half of the U.S. is still in, in drought conditions. So this is still a, 
even though there's been snow to, you know, some areas in Western Canada um, to help hopefully alleviate some of those dry conditions, there's still a big dry area. So that continues to be a concern. Feed costs are record high, whether you're a cow-calf producer, whether you're a backgrounder, you know, trying to, uh, that you've held some calves over um, to winter, or you're, you're looking at a cattle finishing operation. In all cases, we're looking at record high feed costs. Especially for uh, the feeder market, right? Exactly. So it's all the way, all the way through, um, and it, so that's going to, of course, impact margins. It's going to impact um, the you know the ability to uh, to come back and uh, the money that's left on the table, if you will, for for that feeder animal or for that calf um, later on this year. So we're certainly going to be uh, looking for um, fingers crossed that we get some relief from Mother Nature and we can get some timely rains to grow some grass to produce some feed uh, to, to produce a crop and and we need it in a pretty big area. So the challenges of 2021, I wish we could say, are behind us, but from where I sit today, they're they're still very much on on the forefront of everyone's minds in terms of you know how the rest of this year uh, until we get further on into the spring. Um, how the rest of the year looks in terms of these growing conditions for for 2022. It's always difficult to look forward, but I'm going to ask you to do that. And and what do you see going forward now? Well, I think, you know, we we continue to be really concerned, obviously, about the uncertainty on feed costs and and, uh, moisture conditions and water supply for, for many that were you know, didn't get dugouts uh, recharged or refilled. So there still continues to be a lot of that hanging over the marketplace per se. Uh, but nevertheless, we do, you know, we continue to watch the Canadian cow herd get smaller. We know supplies are smaller. We continue to see lots of feeder cattle exports here in 2022 versus what we've seen in recent years. And again, that's a driver of, uh, of feed costs being so high here. Feeder cattle are flowing to other areas. So those are all concerns in terms of uh, of uh, supply. But at the end of the day, um, good demand and smaller supplies historically have meant higher prices. But the question is, what what's the cost of getting the product finished uh, in terms of these higher feed costs? So that's that's the biggest concern we have right now. Based on that, tips to help producers get through the next little bit? Well, I think everyone is is about as prepared as they they can be, and of course now we're we're looking to the skies. We're going to need some help from Mother Nature on this one. So, um, I think producers have have done a, a great job of getting through this this winter. We we could use some warmth. Spring spring can come anytime now to start growing some grass. Those are the kind of the things that I think are you know in a nutshell out of our control, uh, along with some of the you know the bigger global events that are going on around us. Uh, as we can continue to sit and watch uh, events unfold that really at the end of the day all play back into costs uh, and inflation that uh, continue to be top of mind for, for, for consumers generally. That's Ann Wasco, a market analyst with Gateway Livestock. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee allen Bossler. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glenda Lee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.
Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Dairy Farmers of Manitoba is hosting a spring meeting April 21st at the Pat Porter Active Living Center in Steinbach. Looking ahead, Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association is putting on a fence and water solutions workshop June 1st. The cost is $30 and you can register on the MFGA website. MFGA is hosting another workshop July 6th. This one entitled Health Check for Your Pasture and Soil. The cost again, $30. Register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Wednesday afternoon. This week is National Soil Conservation Week. Jim Tokarchuk is Executive Director of the Soil Conservation Council of Canada. National Soil Conservation Week um, was something that came from uh, work that uh, Senator Herbsbarrow did in, in the late 1960s. And uh, we've been doing this every year um, since then, and it is our chance to speak to um, Canadians about the importance of soil conservation and soil health. And um, this year, we um, we have uh, the good fortune of, of um, being in, in the completion stage of a major project we've been working on for a couple of years, Corey. And it's uh, it's really about um, a study on on ways of putting more carbon into soil and, and keeping it there. And that's important because carbon is a, is a really important thing in soils. It's a, it helps to make soils healthy, it makes them productive, um, and it does one other thing that's very important. Uh, it does many things, but, but it also has an impact on climate change. Uh, and I'll, so I'll explain that a little bit more. But our project report is called Recruiting Soils to Tackle Climate Change. And um, the full report is available on our, our website, soilcc.ca, and it's it's a long read. So I'll give you the uh, I'll give you the highlights of it. And the um, the one really major highlight is that if we treat our soils in the right way and use practices that promote soil health and build soil carbon in our in our soils, we have uh, the potential to completely eliminate the uh, greenhouse gas footprint of agriculture in Canada. And if everything were to go really well, we could even go a little higher than that. So that, that is a huge thing. That's a huge finding for us. Um, but in addition to that, we, we, know, we also know that soils provide um, not only climate solutions, but they help to filter water and, and air. They promote biodiversity, they help the fertility of the soil, and very importantly is that they, they keep, uh, they keep um, production on, on, soil, on healthy soils uh, to be profitable. So, so it's a very important thing. So this year we're, we're, really, we're really kind of celebrating the role that carbon plays and the benefits that it brings to everybody in this country. Any other highlights from the week? Uh, yeah, we have a couple of... Um, a couple of other things that are of interest to people. We, um, we have started doing a uh, soil health report card, uh, which we do on an annual basis. And it is a, it's, it's done, information is gathered in a scientific way, but it's promoted and it's delivered in a very easy to read report card, similar to how you would get a report card from your kid's school. So it's, it's in layman's language, but it tells us where we're doing well. It tells us where we need to improve. And the other thing we do every year is we do we do the cotton tests that the Todd that show us a little bit about um, the, the health of the biological activity of soil. And because I've said in previous years that biological activity is important in soil, 
it's one of the indicators of health. And if you supply that healthy, biologically active soil with some nice raw cotton, it will eat that cotton very quickly because it's after the carbon. And so we do that by burying some some uh, un, uh, undyed cotton uh, as soon as we can get into the fields and we come back in about six weeks and dig them up and look at the state of decomposition of the cotton. And if you see that it's almost gone uh, or completely gone, you have a biologically active and healthy soil. If not, then you need to do something about it. I hope that people get a chance to look at our report on our website, Corey. It's um, it's an interesting it's an interesting thing, and it's a very hopeful one because climate change is a pretty important thing to all of us. That was Jim Tokarchuk, executive director of the Soil Conservation Council of Canada. This week is National Soil Conservation Week. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. To celebrate National Soil Conservation Week, the Soil Conservation Council of Canada and the Compost Council of Canada are releasing a report calling on Canadians to recruit the potential of soil to help tackle climate change. Jim Tokarchuk is Executive Director of the Soil Conservation Council of Canada. One really major highlight is that if we treat our soils in the right way and use practices that promote soil health and build soil carbon in our, in our soils, we have uh, the potential to completely eliminate the greenhouse gas footprint of agriculture in Canada. And if everything were to go really well, we could even go a little higher than that. So that, that is a huge thing. That's a huge finding for us. Manitoba's beekeepers are hoping for a turnaround this year. Ian Stepler is chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. Beekeepers need a bit of a break here. We're just getting pounded by weather. Um, I'm hearing reports from uh, many beekeepers as we're getting into our colonies after winter, very concerning losses. And then I'm hearing other reports from other producers with not so much concern. Um, So it's kind of all over the map. It's early days right now. Uh, We haven't really been able to get into our colonies. It's because we haven't been able to get away from all this weather. So uh, we're hearing reports of losses. The more weather we get influenced like this, it's just going to be harder on our bees, and I'm, I'm just afraid we're going to be seeing heavier losses than typical. Steffler says last year's drought played a factor in setting the bees off cycle, adding mites have been an issue. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.